Hi, I'm Kia Damone. I'm a Florida-born chef, writer, host, and recipe developer. I served as an executive chef of a New York City restaurant at the age of 24 and became Cherry Bomb Magazine's first culinary director at 25. I've been named one of 16 chefs changing black food in America by the New York Times and Forbes 30 Under 30 in food and beverage. In 2021, I founded Kia Feast the People, a budding mutual aid effort focusing on food apartheid in Brooklyn. I'll be your guest host for this month of Womanica. This month, we're talking about tastemakers. We're celebrating the Black chefs, cooks, and food historians who created new foodways and preserved important culinary stories of the past. On a quiet street south of the river bend in Montgomery, Alabama, sat a house where the oven never turned off. Today, we're talking about the woman who sustained a movement through that kitchen. Let's talk about Georgia Gilmore. Georgia Gilmore was born on February 5th, 1920 in Montgomery. She and her six siblings grew up on a small farm where they raised cows, chickens, and pigs. As an adult, Georgia held several jobs. She was a midwife, a domestic worker, and a cook. Like many of the other Black women in Montgomery who worked in kitchens and homes, she rode the bus to work. At the time, bus conductors could legally force Black commuters to give up their seats to white commuters. One fall afternoon in 1955, Georgia boarded the bus, dropped her fare in the box, and went to sit down. Before she could, the driver shouted at her to get off and get back on through the back door of the bus. Georgia saw no sense in this. She felt her anger rising, but she collected herself and stepped off the bus. As she moved toward the back door, the bus sped off with her fare. Georgia decided then and there She was not going to ride the buses anymore. Two months later, on December 1st, Rosa Parks was arrested for refusing to give up her seat to a white man on the bus. That part of the story is well known. Less known is the role Georgia played in it. Four nights after Rosa Parks was arrested, Thousands of Black community members gathered at a local church for a meeting. Among them was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who roused the crowd with one of his first speeches as a civil rights leader. We are here this evening for serious business. There, in the crowd, was Georgia. She never cared too much for preachers. But listening to Dr. King that night, she felt a sudden call to duty. He was preaching the very thing she already believed in. That night was the beginning of a resistance movement called the Montgomery Bus Boycott. Movements don't happen on their own. They require massive amounts of energy and the ability to sustain that energy. That's where Georgia came in. She founded what she called the Club From Nowhere, a coalition of maids, cooks, and other workers who supported the boycott. 
They began by making and selling sandwiches, then pies and cakes. Soon, they were making tons of hearty food, fried chicken, stewed greens, pork chops, and mac and cheese. The club sold that food at meetings, protests, and even went door-to-door. Sometimes, people couldn't give more than 50 cents. But over time, the club collected hundreds of dollars a week. All those proceeds went directly back into their efforts, into the movement. Fundraising for the civil rights movement was dangerous work. Georgia knew every member of the club was risking their livelihood. That's why she called their operation the Club from Nowhere, so that if anyone was asked where the money came from, they could answer honestly by saying, nowhere. The bus boycott will last 381 days. It required weekly meetings and a coordinated carpool network of 300 cars to transport protesters in lieu of the bus. All of these efforts pulled from the funding Georgia raised. Georgia and the network of women she fostered sustained the boycott. Once the maids and the cooks of the movement stopped riding the bus, there were fewer people paying the fare than ever. In other words, they didn't need the bus company. The buses needed them. In June of 1956, a federal court ruled that racially segregated seating on the buses violated the 14th Amendment. That decision was upheld by the Supreme Court on December 20th, 1956. The boycott ended the next day. That same year, Dr. King had been indicted. When Georgia testified in his defense, she was fired from her cafeteria job. Instead of looking for another job, she decided to open a catering business out of her home. Dr. King encouraged her and even funded the business. All these years, you've worked for somebody else, he told her. Now it's time you work for yourself. So, Georgia's kitchen became a hub for good food and for Dr. King's work. He trusted her and her cooking and held many meetings with other civil rights leaders in her home. Georgia's activism continued the rest of her life. In 1958, she championed a lawsuit that eventually led to the desegregation of Montgomery's public parks. The morning of March 9, 1990, found 70-year-old Georgia cooking a feast to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the march from Selma to Montgomery. That same day, she died. The very food she had been cooking was fed to those who came to mourn her. It was her last gift through food. I first learned of Georgia Gilmore when I was 22 years old living in Tallahassee, Florida. I came across her story during a time when I was questioning my purpose in the culinary world. Her story taught me the importance of moving with integrity and a spirit for community. Her work moved me to start the Supper Club from Nowhere, a dinner club dedicated to celebrating Black cuisine. These days, I carry on her legacy by breaking bread with those who also understand the power of food. All month, we're talking about tastemakers. For more info and recipes from this month's Womanikins, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to co-creators Jenny and Liz Kaplan for having me as a guest host. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.